0: Hey guys, we're back with another week of Find Your Film. I'm a little bit distracted this week, okay? Because listeners, most of you are listening to Find Your Film via audio, via our podcast, which I think we're about 53, 54 episodes in. I can't look at my screen right now because my wonderful co-host, Eric Holmes, is dressed up in a banana suit and he's calling himself Banana Man Eats Bananas in a Can whenever he can. I actually gave him a talking to, like he should not... I sounded like such a jerk over our message message thing over the week. Let's let's not do any songs because we don't want to be slapped by the copyright gods. But that said, Eric Holmes, what are you doing with the bananas? That's my that's my favorite fruit. But why the banana suit, sir? I'm the banana man. I eat all the bananas in the can whenever I can. <laughs> Bruce Perky, are we in trouble by the copyright gods? Is that a song? What is that? What is that a reference to something, Bruce Perky? Porks uh, without a Bruce. That's what you're called. This, you yeah, know?
1: it doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before. I, I, I'm yeah, i clueless. It couldn't be anything I've ever heard of.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he had a side glance. I, I don't know about that, Bruce Perky. We'll go with that banana suit. By the way, there used to be a, a guy, a Vietnamese owner, a friend of mine over in downtown L.A., and he used to have this really cool restaurant called Starry Kitchen and they served Vietnamese food. And the way he would get people into the restaurant, by the way, the food was amazing, was he would dress up in a banana suit. Where, Eric Holmes, does one buy a banana suit? Where did you buy your banana suit? By the way, not for nothing, I did—I do like the banana suit. It looks very comfy on you.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't buy the banana suit. <laughs> May was uh, going through her clothes and she had this banana hoodie that she got from somewhere and she's like... Uncle Eric, I think this might fate you. And I said, by God, I think you're right. I'm gonna try <laughs> on that banana suit. So I did. And uh
0: I'm not gonna lie, I kinda like it. <laughs> what do you think, Bruce? Is bananas one of your favorite fruits? And does Eric does banana, does yella, does yella become Eric Holmes? I think he looks
1: quite a Feeling in it. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. okay. <laughs> oh, quite appealing. You know, uh, speaking, okay, now off of the banana, now to Bruce Porky. Bruce Porky is our most astute and organized out of our, us three. That's not saying much when you consider if you know me or Eric Holmes, but he actually sent us a Google Doc regarding maybe we could be a little bit more organized with our weekly podcast. That may, you know, and I realize how much work we have to get through and how organized we are. Now that we're organized, I'm looking at a bunch of notes and I just, I just, I, I, I'm freezing. I'm Priest Bruce. We got so much to cover. Where do we start, man? But do you think the cool, <laughs> cool, do you, do you think we need a little bit of organization in our podcast?
1: I I, 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 I just thought of something, a way we could just add stuff as we come up with it during the week and you could just see what's, what's coming up. So cool, very good. Okay,
0: you know what? This week, our main reviews is this movie called Slacks, which is, I spell, I think it's spelled S L A X X and it's going to be right streaming on Shutter uh, very, very soon. I think this mm-hmm. week. And also the Benedict Cumberbatch movie, The Courier. All three of us have seen it. That's our main reviews for this week. Bruce Perky, what can you give us a little bit of a, a tease? What are you, what are the films you're going to cover for this episode, aside from the uh, the main features?
1: Uh, the 1960s French horror movie, Eyes Without a Face, or I'll be just singing the Billy Idol song. And the <laughs> Sophia Coppola film from 2010, somewhere, which is our what's in the box movie of the week.
0: Oh, what's in the box movie of the week? Okay, somewhere I hope I am praying to the to the movie gods that you I'm I'm really hoping that you absolutely adored somewhere. It's a movie that was very important to me. It's about this narcissistic actor living in in the Chateau Mormont and trying to raise his daughter being a narcissist myself i really loved sophia coppola's somewhere eric holmes what are you uh, tease our listeners what, what else uh, other than the main reviews what are you uh going to be covering this week
2: oh i got a rewind of the father so talk about that a little bit and i saw did you get Joe emotional
0: car- did you get emotional wait did you get emotional in the father at all at all we'll, any, well, any well, we'll get in we'll get into that <laughs> Oh, uh, you know what? If you don't listen to it, I've been putting up our, our videos, folks. I, I just saw Eric, Eric is laughing on the outside, might be crying on the inside. Okay. So the father, what else? What else? What other movie are you are you covering? I also
2: saw Joe Carnahan's Boss Level. And I believe Ooh.
0: that is on Hulu. Hulu.
2: Streaming somewhere. Yeah, there you go. Hulu.
0: <laughs> okay. Not possible. on YouTube. Not on YouTube. Are you a fan of Joe Carnahan? I know we're gonna to get to him, but I'm sure you've loved Narc or Smoking Aces or
2: Oh yeah, for yeah, for the most part. And just him as a person. We'll we'll get more into that. But uh yeah, I I dig the Joe Carnahan. Uh he oh. doesn't always knock it out of the park, but when he does, it's a sight to behold.
0: A sight oh maybe maybe boss level will be a sight to behold. Regarding a sight to behold, fellas. Do people in their fifties just call people fellas? I I think that's an old, old term, old fogey term. I I can't always just homes, homies, buddies, I don't know, cohorts. Well, Eric is always a homes. I mean, come on now. (laughs) It's just homes by default. By default, by default. That should be my middle name by default. I just got several days ago. I got a package. And it was I opened it, and it was a the Blu-ray copy of Promising Young Woman. Starring Carrie Mulligan. I believe, Eric Holmes, you saw it? Or did both of you see it? (laughs) Did you? Okay, Bruce, you haven't seen it yet. Okay, no, that's a shake. Uh, No, you're uh, shaking your head, Bruce. And you ended up really enjoying it, right? You would recommend it? Okay, Yeah, Yeah, so... I was so happy. I was like, "Wow, okay." I haven't been getting a Blu-rays from Universal Pictures for a couple of months because, as you guys know, I don't read my email and I don't request. I didn't even request "Promising Young Woman." I was thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm an esteemed critic. Maybe they just sent it to me because you know I'm I'm pretty respectable, I, I suppose." I look at I look at the, my mailing address. They got my they got my mailing address right. They got the name wrong. My na- I'm, my name's not Chris. I'm not gonna say last name. They mistakenly sent me Promising Young Woman. By default, I got it. I got it. It was a stroke of luck or stroke of misfortune on their part. So I have a Blu-ray of Promising Young Woman. I decided to give away the, the digital code. Eric Holmes, you were giving away a couple of weeks back some gift cards from Entertain Mart. I reached out to our Cinematics Facebook group to actually, I don't know, if you would like basically if you if you like our Facebook page on find your find your film you actually qualify for this giveaway I have the numbers here and as I, you know I'm gonna open up the curtains thirteen people responded I'm gonna randomize the winner right now one to thirteen number ten wins one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and the winner is Jamie Bolanger Jamie Bolanger you are the winner of our Promising Young Woman Digital Code Giveaway. We'll be doing more of these digital codes hopefully when I start answering emails and requesting some stuff. So if you are a fan of giveaways, that's going to be a small part of our show. Before we get to the movies, I I want to really get into Perks Without a Bruce. Bruce Perky, you get the medal of the week because can you tell our listeners what you're going through right now? Are you Are you just uh, (laughs) laying back and hanging out? What's going on with you? Oh, we're just in the
1: middle of a severe storm threat and tornado warnings and all that good stuff. Tornado watch. I'll be a tornado watch. But at some point during the podcast, a little siren might go off just to make the proceedings a little more exciting. If it gets really exciting, I'll just leave. and You'll get to watch my screen blow down. And then (laughs) you get to continue without me, but no, we'll see case scenario. I can always do a remote later and finish it.
0: (laughs) Oh, well, you know what? If you, if you have to go, you have to go. I'm sure Eric, and I will do a, a miserable job without you, but we will trudge on through important family and, and uh safety is the most important parts. Okay, so that is it. Before we oh, you know what? Shout out a little bit, a shout out to our cinematics Facebook group member Joseph Bridges. He's been actually listening to a bunch of our old find your film episodes. And before that, when we were movie mainline, we did a spoiler review. I think it was Bruce's idea for to, to do a spoiler on. Miracle Mile, and he recently, I don't know if you know this, Eric, he, Joseph Bridges recently purchased a Blu-ray copy of Miracle Mile. Eric Holmes, if you had the money, would you hang up a Miracle Mile poster in your room? That is amazing. Oh, yeah.
2: I, actually, that poster is really good, too. Poster is almost as good as the movie is. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, that is. is. Uh, and yeah, Bruce, and you, thank, you, thank you to Bruce Perky for introducing us to Miracle Mile. Okay, so also, Bruce, Psycho Gorman. Did you did you did you buy any uh, Psycho Gorman stuff, or you were just showing some some of the toys or merch that people can have regarding the Psycho Gorman universe?
1: I bought well, I bought the DVD ahead of time, and it came yesterday, uh, and I got the basic one. I didn't get the uh, Hunky Boys version, so I don't get the cards inside. But it has a really cool booklet that shows like all these merchandise and all this weird stuff in there. In fact, it's being delivered to me as we speak here. Oh, thank you, son.
0: Nice. I just remembered
1: that I didn't have it with me. So I said, son, bring me the DVD. <laughs> I know this is not a video format, but you can see some of the awesomeness that they show you in this booklet, including there's games and puzzles and wow. all the products you can buy and a uh, crazy ball and all kinds of stuff. And there's supposedly I haven't even got into it yet, but two hours of extra content. And then I wanted to buy the action figures, but I... I I don't think my wife would go for it, so instead of that, <laughs> I'm buying the uh, I'm buying the Psycho Gourmet. It's the uh, what is it? The Happy Meal that comes with two like collectors glasses. So I figured uh, when I get those, I'll say um, uh, instead of bathing in the blood, I can now drink the blood of my enemies. So it should be uh, should be good to go.
0: <laughs> Eric Holmes, are you are you going to be on that roundelay of buying uh, some PG? psycho gorman pg for short merch is that going to be on your things to get down the road
2: it it is quite it is quite tempting for sure
0: what was the name of the the uh the main antagonist the one in the white Outfit. What was that person's? The the paladin or something. The paladin. Yes, mm. the paladin. Very, very good. Okay. She's
1: she's one of the cups. There's two cups. It's cycle garment, peachy cycle garment, and the paladin. In the back, it describes their history and stuff. So
0: yes, I, I again, I, I wish there was a prequel to the paladin that would make a really awesome movie. I hope there. You know what? Honestly, that that movie feel that movie's probably a one off. I I really hope they they find some way to continue that director continues to swim in that universe. Okay, speaking of movies of that ilk, let's start before we get to our movie rewind. Let's just go for our big, big whales—the uh, Moby Dicks of this week. The first one is Slacks. Slacks. It's quote unquote a bloody horror comedy, and it comes out on March 18th on Shutter. And you know what? What else am I gonna say about this movie? It's there's a. It's a trendy clothing company, and they're supposedly just. Um, they're a company that they 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 have really. Beautiful, really gapish type of clothing. They're very popular. Supposedly, they do very. They make a difference in the world. Profits probably go to third world countries, and the people who work within the company are supposedly treated well. So it's like basically, if you buy a pair of slacks from this company, you, your money probably goes to good things, and and you you'll also look really good in it. Unfortunately, with this flagship store, these pants, aka slacks, are quite murderous. And, you know, lo and behold, a lot of most of the employees who live, who work in this store, this clothing store, are very narcissistic and sociopathic. So when they start stealing jeans from the, the store or try try putting out a pair, pair of the, these uh, slacks for themselves, bad things really, really happen. Eric Holmes wanted to know your thoughts on Slacks, which is directed by Elsa Kephart.
2: Well, we hear it uh find your film. I I like to think we're not just podcasters but we're a family. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, this uh this movie was pretty kind of made me feel a little dirty cuz it has that it has that sort of uh you can tell that all the characters are kind of slimy even though like everything uh everything in the background is like pristine and clean cuz it's a clothing store but uh just the people were kind of slimy and uh backstabby and I, I just did not enjoy kind of living in that world for a while, which I think is by design of the movie. But uh, o- overall, it was uh, reminded me a lot of Rubber because, I mean, you have a pair of pants just going around eating people. <laughs> you know, right away, you got the inanimate objects. I think we were talking uh, on the uh, messenger about our t- <laughs> <laughs> our top our favorite uh, in <laughs> movies starring inanimate objects this would probably be up there i think there's was, there was some stuff about like they kept leaning on kind of woke culture i guess if i'm if i can say that and it almost sounded like there was supposed to be a point there and I don't think there was. So I was kind of confused by that. And it wasn't like it it wasn't like a, here's things you should do because it's you know, you're not a piece of shit and you would do the you know, you would do these things to respect other people. They almost seem to be doing it as a joke. But then when you figure out what the slacks are and why they're going around killing people, it doesn't. I I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me out with this. I I didn't quite understand what they were trying to say. Uh, it sounded like they had they were trying for some social commentary in there, and it just didn't land it for me. Mm-hmm. It just kind of confused me uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. But barring that, I mean, as a uh, movie about killer pants that go around eating people, <laughs> it's pretty good. And actually, the the ending was uh, kind of that. Uh, I I think I like the ending better than the rest of the movie uh and and, and i didn't like mm. the rest of the movie pretty good i, I would definitely say this is uh I, I compared it to rubber i think this one's better than rubber because rubber is just like you know when, once you get past the uh the rubber tire killing people it makes for a good uh, saturday night live sketch but it doesn't make for a good full length <laughs> yeah. movie after a while it's like okay we get the tire kills people Oh, it's killing more people. Cool. Okay. Yeah. The tires go. Yeah. You know, this one's, you know, has an actual story to it. I think that, yeah, the pretty much the only thing that doesn't work for me is the social commentary because it doesn't really, uh, it, at least for me, I didn't get it. I I didn't understand why that had anything to do with anything in the movie. But maybe you guys have a different take on that. Bruce, what say you? I, I'm, I have
1: a similar reaction to it. I think the stuff that didn't work for me as much was, was the, the really broad satirical stuff. Like it was amped up to 10. I feel like with such a silly premise, the silliness of the slacks killing people is has enough power in itself that you could like take the satire and make it way more dry and way more subdued and let the other stuff kind of sing. That being said, I still had a lot of fun with this movie. I kind of like Eric, I kind of like, I kind of just eventually had to let all that other stuff go. Like the the, the social media lady and all that stuff like, eh. Okay, it is what it is. That's the tone they're going to take. But the, and I was worried at first that the attacks of the slacks, just to be rhymey, were going to be all just off screen, but they weren't. And I was happy about that. And then there was a sequence in a hallway. I'm going to be vague. There's a sequence in a hallway with a mannequin and an arm that I fucking loved. And I thought that was there was about a 15 to 20 minute period of that movie towards the last third that I thought was like, wow, if this movie has that much imagination to kind of go for it with this limited budget, I almost wanted to see more of that. Because that was almost like creating this weird world building above what I expected of Killer Pants, you know, at that point. So I, I think that alone is worth the price of admission for horror fans. This is like a mild, re- you know, mild recommend. People who are into goofy horror movies or into horror movies in general can have some fun here. People who aren't probably aren't going to go for a killer slack movie anyway, but this is definitely several levels above what you think it might be. So,
0: yeah, okay. So slacks it stars this girl the, the, the main the main actor. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Is Romaine R O M A N E Dennis or maybe maybe Romaine Denis or just say Romaine Dennis? Okay. I saw her recently in this movie called My Salinger Year, and she stood out. She played a student who really wanted to get an A on her project. And she, I was like, wow, this, I'm going to, I wonder if I'll ever see this person again. And lo and behold, a week later, she is the lead in slacks. And I thought for, I've never really seen her in much at all. Not since the last two weeks. I thought she was very good as a lead. She could actually hold the narrative together. I really liked where it was going like you were saying Bruce for about 15 to 20 minutes with when they got to the social commentary stuff and they twisted it. Eric I, I was thinking I like maybe it maybe even if they didn't hit the nail on the head with that I liked where it was going regarding the way they I don't want to give too much away but the idea of how you how you socially brand your company if you if you say your if you say your company is gonna be organic and it's it's sustainable and you're giving everyone a better life, you better be really doing it. And you know, the fact that I mean I that's I think that's a the theme behind that. There's a karma behind your business actions. And I thought that was cool. I thought that was a little good pretty cool twist. What I thought was the flaws was what you were saying, Bruce, the 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 overly slapstick, highly just the heightened comedy, which was way too over the top, I could understand that in another movie, but this went really way overboard, especially when you see how real it got towards the end. And I know it was intended to be yeah. heightened, but man, if they just kept that even keel tone of just maybe dry wit, the main the main antagonist, he could have been more interesting. And I could tell that actor had it in him. I just wish they they toned right. it down a little bit more. You know, and that's what I'm
1: going to say. I think that if you have a movie about killer pants, like you've already got the built in goofiness. I mean, that's goofy as a concept, even if you do make it bloody and all the stuff they did, which I thought was all good. So make the characters the straight people. You know what I mean? And I, I mean, make them pretty straightforward and pretty grounded. Make them really grounded. So then when the goofy stuff goes against it, you know, they're not goofier than the pants (laughs) you know so i mean what for your favorite one of our favorite movies is gremlins like you think about the characters of gremlins they're mostly pretty straightforward characters they don't go crazy over the top with most of those characters because the gremlins get to do all that and that's what we kind of love so
2: i don't know
0: i don't know yeah overall again bottom line mild recommend for me Eric Holmes, is it a mild recommend for you, or just a recommend recommend for you?
2: I would say if you like uh, rubber, you should definitely check this out because I think this is better than rubber. The yeah, the the only thing, and I didn't even really, I guess, hate it. I just don't understand it. The social commentary in it, just it it. Maybe if they maybe if they did a better job connecting the social commentary to the story. And I, I'm just not seeing where the two connect. So it, it's almost like a, hey, here's social commentary. I'm like, cool. And then they show the story. I'm like, cool. But they don't, they don't make sense. You know, yeah. it's it's like having that ice cream sandwich with ketchup on it. I like both, but when you put them <laughs> together, I'm confused. But uh, yeah, th- this would be a. Uh, th- if you like rubber, I would check this out. If you, uh, obviously if you're not into horror, because this gets pretty bloody, and, uh, yeah, the, the ending, I, I love the ending to this, and I, you know, mm-hmm. we can't really talk about that, but, uh, the ending in that hallway scene Bruce was talking about, I completely forgot about that until you brought it out. I'm like, yes, that was so good. And I should also mention the puppetry in this movie. I imagine there's some CGI, yeah. or maybe some green screen, but there's some really great puppetry in this movie that uh you just don't even see it's all that i mean in a way it's almost like kind of juggling or like you know juggling mm-hmm. puppetry like they're they're animating pants and there's a couple of scenes where i'm like that's probably <laughs> like cgi but not like cgi it's, it's more like green screen but uh yeah there's uh there's some uh, filmmaking techniques they use in this. At, at, and Bruce brought up Gremlins, not me, but since he did uh, stuff, there's some uh, film te- <laughs> filmmaking techniques I haven't seen since like the 80s that they brought back for this. And I was happy to see yeah. that. So, yeah, it's, it's a light recommend. There's some stuff that I'm just completely confused by. And there's stuff that I really love in this. And there's stuff that I'm kind of turned off by. But overall, I'd, I'd say this is a pretty good one. I'd, I'd check it out for sure.
0: Okay. Yeah, my not to throw in another negative shot at this movie, but I, this is sort of a half compliment. I just feel like the director decided to do a lot of the movie as sort of a lark because of the the pants thing. But I don't think uh, they they don't. I, I think maybe they didn't know how good of a movie they could have had on their hands. Like if they just yes tightened it up, just trust yeah trust yeah. that
1: you can make this silly con this silly concept actually pretty good. Because like I said, that hallway scene and some stuff towards the end it. By the time you're already accepting the, the killer pants, it actually kind of works. And if they would have kind of gone all the way with it, it would have been such a weird cult movie that could have been a gem. And right now it's kind of like a diamond in the rough. Like it, it, it just yeah. didn't quite get polished up enough.
0: It was. It, an, it was oh, go ahead, Eric.
2: I, I was going to say, you know, this, uh, the, the, as far as the idea of not going all the way, this reminds me of Tusk. At the end mm. of Tusk, like, I, I was all in on Tusk until, like, towards uh, the uh, end of the credits where it cuts to Kevin Spacey, or Kevin Spacey, Kevin Smith and Scott Moser talking and laughing about how stupid the idea of Tusk is. It's like, dude, don't do that. Like, you went yeah. for it, you know, you, you went yeah. for your crazy, you went, you know, you leaned into it, and then all of a sudden at the end, you're like, nah, just kidding, it's a joke, haha, <laughs> we're laughing there. So I ourselves, like, don't fucking do that. Just, yeah. Yeah, for it's exactly that. It's yep. like
1: it's like they they almost it's like you have to take a silly thing seriously to make it work. And they wanted to hedge their bets and say, "Oh, we know it's Dude, dumb. Yeah. We know it's silly." Yeah.
0: And then they kind of ruined it by doing that a little bit. They leaned into the wrong things. They, yes. they leaned, it's like, "Oh, yeah, we're gonna do this." Oh, and and here's here's this really serious part that's very shocking, and uh, we're just gonna bury that. Oh, wait a second, that's your best part of the movie. What are, what are you doing? Right? What are you doing? Yes. But I, I, yeah. But anyway, slacks. Um, at least a mild recommendation on yeah. from all three of us. If you have Shudder, give it a shot. And maybe if you dis, you know, honestly, if you disagree with us and say, hey, we love the humor, we would love to hear your feedback on Slack's if this movie worked for you. Eric Holmes felt that the social message was a little bit, didn't get, went over his head and me, maybe I'm overthinking it. Tell, tell us if you actually understood or you, you found that resonant as well. We'd love to hear what you think about Slack's. The other movie that other main movie we're covering this week is just I saw the name Benedict Cumberbatch spy thriller the courier and I was so excited to to cover it. All three of us got links for the courier and it centers it's a spy thriller it's it's a true story it centers on this British businessman named Greville Wynne, or Wayne Wynne, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. This is during the Bay of Pigs Cuban Missile Crisis era. Okay, so he is a normal guy. He's he's a glad hander. He's an importer, exporter. He does favors for, for his clients. He golfs with them. He drinks scotch and whiskey and all that stuff. He's a good businessman. He gets hired by, what is it, Bruce? Is it MI5 or MI6?
1: It's like the MI6. And the CIA kind of combined, isn't it? Like they're, right. they're working together.
0: Yeah. So there's an official from MI6 who is a friend of Greville's. And there's also a CIA, CIA operative played by Rachel Brosnahan. They enlist him to take his business to Moscow, where he ultimately befriends and may has a, a business relationship with a Soviet officer named Oleg Penkovsky. Oleg yeah. It's Perkovsky. As a perky, I can say it's
1: Perkovsky. <laughs> to
0: say it, <laughs> it's pl- played by Merab Nimidze. Nimidze. I'm butchering the name. I apologize. You're wrong. What?
2: You're the experts on
0: spying
1: and tradecraft and all of that, but not Pankowski. You've met him once. I know him. He would never leave me to die. And I'm not leaving him. I'm afraid it's not your decision. You said the problem was there's no way to coordinate to let Penkovsky know about the escape plan, but there is a
2: way. Me, I can tell them if I go back to Moscow. You would do that? Yes. No, he wouldn't because he hasn't entirely lost his mind. James, be a bloody professional. I'm volunteering to bring
1: back the best source of Soviet intelligence you have got at a time where Russia and America are on the brink of nuclear war. You talk about using people. For God's sake, use me.
0: Also playing his wife, Greville's wife, is the talented Jesse Buckley. It's directed by Dominic Cook. It's written by Tom O'Connor. This spy thriller, I was 30 to 40 minutes in. I was ready to just take a permanent nap. I was bored out of my skull. And I was thinking, this seems like every single spy thriller I've seen in my life, except it's going at a glacial pace. Then I realized as the movie continued... It's really about this friendship, this gradual friendship between these two men from different worlds, this businessman and this this Russian uh, official. Um, and I thought that I once I actually got into the rhythms of the courier, I ended up feeling bad that I was so impatient for the first 40 minutes and just got into the groove of it. And then the third act, which we don't want to give too much away, all you've got to do is Google regarding the fates of Greville and Oleg, okay? It's a very fascinating story. The third act ramps it up a lot. There's a lot of things that happen to Benedict Cumberbatch's character on a physical level. I don't know, Bruce and Eric, if you want to mention it, you can. I just felt for myself, I don't, I don't feel like mentioning it right now, but you guys can do it right now. I just found this, it went up another notch um, on the third act and I ended up really enjoying The Courier. I highly recommend this movie, but with a caveat of saying don't expect this heightened spy thriller where it's a cat and mouse game every single second and it's excitement every second. You just have to really ease into the narrative, and if you get right into that pitch, I think you really end up loving it. Eric Holmes, your thoughts on the Courier? Pretty much echo everything you just said. I I would
2: say this movie would probably like I can imagine what's the guy's name? I uh Gavin Hood who did mm-hmm. Eye in the oh, Sky. Yeah, and uh, so, uh and so the uh. And
0: what was that last one he did with the? Uh, oh, with, uh, oh, oh uh, he did uh, Shutzi. He did Ender's Game. He did. He did. He did your favorite Wolverine movie. Um, no. uh, I'm trying to think. <laughs> now there's was Eye in the Sky and and that one about uh. uh oh uh, right, 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 uh, right. right. Uh, Something Affairs with uh with uh, Kira Knightley. Yeah, yeah, the Kira Knightley film. Yeah,
2: can't remember. You can IMDb it, that's fine. The his last two movies, eye in the sky, and the last one that I can't remember the name of. Um, Gavin Hood's really good at this political intrigue and really good at I mean, forget everything you've seen in Wolverine 3, the rise of the Wolverine, or whatever the
0: fuck that movie's called. But uh how dare you. By the way, it's f- official secrets from two thousand. Official
2: secrets, there yes. you go. But uh, Official Secrets and Eye in the Sky is just kind of like edgy your seat, like, oh my god, oh my god. And he's really good at building suspense. And I think the story needed that. Because there's definitely a lot of spots uh, where, because Benedict Cumberbatch's character, he's kind of in a world that he doesn't understand. And he kind of understands that going in. Like, I don't know what I'm getting into. Am I in danger? And then he sees that uh, the person that was helping him is in trouble so he's going to go help them and they're like no we let them go that's like we don't go help them that's not how this works but this movie could have used a lot more suspense and it didn't quite have it and i think all the suspense that was there was just inherent to the story itself and not necessarily what the movie was doing overall as a spy thriller goes it's fine but i think If you put this in the hands of someone like Gavin Hood,
0: this movie would have been just like fantastic. Gavin Hood or the Russo brothers, perhaps? No, (laughs) just (laughs) Gavin Hood. <laughs> what a uh, Ru- 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 Russo <laughs>
2: brothers Russo brothers would have ripped off Shane Black and said, "You know, back in the day when I was helping out spies, but ble- 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 Bruce,
0: Berkey, do you walk back? Do you do you walk back your review of Cherry, Bruce? Berkey? Do you, you get to walk that back?
2: Can we walk it
1: all
0: the way back to the pre-production stage so it never gets <laughs> made? Awesome. Now, okay. So wait, before we get to you, Bruce, Eric Holmes, does that mean downline? You would not recommend the courier. I,
2: I would. I'm just. It, this is a good example of uh, kind of mm, missed opportunity. Maybe sure. like as it is, it's it's good, and and like you said, it gets better towards the end. But I'm watching this movie, and I'm thinking like Eye in the Sky, and I'm thinking of the Official Secrets, and I'm just thinking, you know, this movie's pretty decent, but oh my god, it could be fantastic. And it it, it was kind of not, I guess it's not really fair to the movie to do that. This, this, that's fair. I, I, that's I, fair. I, I would say not as good as official secrets or eye in the sky, like not even close, but it is it, like, if you like bridges spies,
0: it's kind of, it's kind of on that level. I would, cool. I would say. Okay. Light recommend high recommend for me, Bruce, where do you, where are do you on this? I'm
1: probably higher on this movie than both you guys. I really like this movie a lot, but I kind of went into it and I didn't, need it to necessarily be a thrilling spy movie. Like, I guess I kind of dropped in and immediately kind of got the vibe that you kind of got later, Greg. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Yeah. And uh, (laughs) Chris, Greg Zavosti. I kind of, I kind of dropped into almost the lives of others. Like we talked about that a few weeks ago and I almost got into that vibe of it. Kind of like, we're just going to sit with these people's lives for a little bit. And I also, for me, it worked because here's this guy who's like, he doesn't know this world at all. And at first he's really apprehensive and they say, you know, trust us. It's going to be fine. You're going to go there and all this is going to happen. And you almost get lulled in with him. And it's almost like cooking the frog. Like by the time it's way more dangerous than he thinks it is. Uh, he's already in deep, you know, and it's done things to his family life. And it's done. And I want to mention Jesse Buckley is awesome in this. Yeah. She, she does so much more with this little role than she had to do. She definitely, I thought was, I thought it was really good. I I thought she was, better than Rachel Brosnahan and Rachel's getting higher billing anyway
0: what well, do, well, do you know what though this is this is a thankless role okay that Jesse Buckley yeah. has as the wife but whenever an actor is faced with a thankless role I can't even think maybe five percent of the times that thankless role becomes a role you remember and I think yeah. to your point that's how talented Buckley is
1: she's 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 special I we I mean we're just seeing the beginning of it, but obviously last year with, um, I'm thinking of ending things and with Beast, a couple yeah, of, yeah, give her five to ten years and she'll at least have nominations at yeah. least, if not yeah. actual awards. Oh yeah, the Oscar nominations came out this week. Yes, I mean, moving still. along. Um, anyway, so...
0: <laughs> Very cool. Very cool.
1: Um, no, so I, I really like this. I didn't know anything about the story other than the events in the world around it, but I didn't know the specific story. So for me, it really worked, but to kind of mirror what all of three of you, the other two of you are saying, if you're going in for a thrilling kind of a thriller, kind of a cat and mouse thing, it's not that. If you're going in for more of a, a period piece drama with spy parts to it, then I think you'll come out of it a lot happier.
0: <laughs> so, you know, and, and you know what I was thinking, Bruce, is the um, without giving too much away, Greville, under lesser hands, it, they could have really slathered this whole thing with just. A lot of exaggeration, making him out to be this really huge hero. And when, the, when, there are, when there are moments of suffering, just really amp up the stakes. In fairness, that's what Eric wanted, a little bit more of that suspense. I get that. Maybe I, I wanted a little bit more excitement in the beginning. But you're saying that a lot of credit because they kept things really subtle as opposed to going that direction.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's one of those things where – based on real life, right? And I feel like this is probably a lot closer to the real life than uh, versions of this movie would normally be. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it's just detriment and also it's, it's advantage. Like if you take that advantage of it, it's, it becomes more in a way unpredictable the way things turn out. Things turn in a way that you may not have expected them to turn towards the last third, but you could have seen how they could have Hollywoodized this a little more and amped it up. And to some people that if that's what you want in the movie, you're going to be disappointed by this movie. But I, I guess I was lucky. It's kind of the uh, expectation thing, right? I came in with expectations, not really necessarily expecting a spy movie or what, whatever it was going to be. And I just liked what I got. So
0: I'm just so glad that we got to know who these people were it's just yeah. the fact that they had such an important part in changing the world. <laughs> so I think The Courier is a very at the very least a value added film for history if you're a history buff or you want to learn a little bit about, you know, the whole Cuban missile crisis situation and all all the effects of that. So check out The Courier. It's opening in theaters in theaters this week this Friday. So can't wait till I hit streaming and digital and all that stuff. Tell us what you think if you actually catch it. it by the way, theaters, are you guys going to theaters in the next couple of weeks? I mean, is that... Well,
2: I, uh, I'd like to. <laughs> I saw Tenet, and I was the only one in the theater when I uh, went and saw that. And according to Bruce, even even if theaters were open widely, I probably would also have been the only one in the theater, but... Uh,
0: yeah I, I miss it i miss it okay so that is our our two main movies this week now we're before we get to our weekly recommendation and bruce perky's what's in the box segment we're gonna hit the rewind section of our program <laughs> let us start off with eric holmes what have you got does it have something to do with anthony hopkins and come it on does. did you did you cry at all or did you get emotional no i did not <laughs> heartless. heart hey bruce is he heartless or what come on i didn't cry okay well i this is
2: also heartless Perks <laughs> without a heart <laughs> uh, i saw the father with uh anthony hopkins and olivia coleman and imogen poots yes. and this was a story about uh anthony hopkins with alzheimer's or dementia and it does the the uh performances in this are really good and i kind of I don't know that this is Anthony Hopkins' best performance, as Bruce said, but it's a really good one. And, of course, Emma Jim Poots is great in it. I think she was in it for five or six seconds, I believe. Kind of in and out. Olivia Colomio was great in this. Like, everyone was great in this. And the idea that you're kind of with uh, Anthony Hopkins, where people come in and out, and some of them are – there's different levels, okay? Sure. There, he He's in this time – He's in this made-up place, and he's in this other time or whatever. And people kind of come in and out that don't know each other because you're kind of in his head, and you're just as confused as he is. It, it does a memento thing where the uh, movie confuses you as much as the protagonist is.
0: You know, I and thought that, it, that made the father really, really cool on a stylized level because you can actually consider this sort of a – I don't know, a puzzle, a puzzle or a thriller, because you don't know what's going on. I
2: I wouldn't call it a puzzle because the idea is that he's got dementia. So there's nothing to figure out other than reality. So and he's never going to figure that out. And that's kind of the point. And so as far as like a uh, these type of movies go, this is probably one of the better versions of it. I don't know that uh this is weird. Like as far as I recommend, this is really tough because if you're looking for that type of movie, like the Amore type movie or you know old person losing their mind type of movie, if that's the kind of movie like if that's something you want to watch, this is probably the best version of that or at least a really good version of that. If you're like, oh yeah, another Alzheimer's movie, you probably want to stay away from this because it's not gonna. I I can't see this pulling someone in that otherwise, you know, it, it'd be like if someone's really against horror and you're like, yeah, but Halloween's really good. Doesn't yeah. matter. They don't like <laughs> <Yeah>. horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- this is a really the father is a really good version of this type of story. I just don't know. I I think you would know. You know, in you being anyone listening to this, is anyone listening to this? Hey, are you yeah. listening to this? <laughs> I, but anyone listening to this, if uh, just kind of look up what the Father's about, like, and then you would know if this is a movie for you or not. And just know it's a it's a good version of that. The performances are fantastic, but I don't know that I can recommend this to everyone.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan of these type of movies. Whenever they have something like an Alzheimer's or that kind of stuff, I I just I just, I I lump it into a disease of the week situation that I don't even want to face. And again, that disorienting narrative where you don't know what's going on, even though you're right, he doesn't, he has Alzheimer's. He's not going to solve the mystery of his life. Not going to happen. But the fact that each section deals with not only is he disoriented, you as a viewer, you really don't know what's going on. It throws an extra really cool element to the proceedings for me. So yeah, I mean, very, very good performances. But to your point, Eric, if, if you're predisposed not to not like it, my thing is, hey, it starts Anthony Hopkins. If you like him, maybe give this one a shot, but I ended up really highly digging the father. Bruce, you ended up high on this as well, right? Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. I, I, I,
1: I have a little bit of what Eric's getting. Um, I really liked quite a bit. The only thing I wanted from it was that once the kind of the pattern had happened, the disorientating pattern, which I'm keeping somewhat vague, I wanted the last third to kind of slowly start uncovering or unweaving all of those things. I I wanted it to, I felt at a point it kind of became the same thing all the way almost to the end.
0: That's so yeah.
1: I wanted it to kind of have some sort of a a narrative build or a narrative unraveling or a narrative decoding or something.
0: Sure, sure. But I
1: mean, that was kind of a minor gripe on my part. I mean, overall, I really liked it, but I totally get also. Eric's kind of point on this is like, this is definitely a movie that I could see people going, it's well-made and real well-acted, but it's not fun. 100%. <laughs> you know, and
2: I could see them saying that, you know,
0: hundred yeah. percent. I would
2: say also to uh, Bruce's point in the previous podcast, which uh, you can find on Apple and Stitcher and all, of- <laughs> <laughs> well, you know where to find it. Cause you're listening to it now. Hey, how's it going? You going <laughs> to drink that? Okay. Maybe later. Anyway. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, to Bruce's point in the earlier podcast, uh, Anthony, this movie kind of lives and dies on Anthony Hopkins' performance, and he is funny, and he is heartbreaking, and he is kind of a shithead. Like he he runs the gamut like, yeah. through through everything. You know, there's a there's some sort of award thing that he's nominated for that you know. Chadwick mm. Boseman or Riz Ahmed's gonna win over him, but you know, <laughs> it's good that he it's good that he got to slide in there somehow. Um, but yeah, the, yeah. Uh, it, as a character, Anthony Hopkins is his character is pretty great in this, and he's fantastic. But yeah, it's just uh, it, it, this is just an example of I've seen this before, and had it not been for Anthony Hopkins, like having that dynamic range and being that interesting of a performer this could have went from yeah this is a good version of this to i fucking hate this movie (laughs) like that (laughs) it's just hanging on by that much of a thread for me
0: so that is the father it's i believe right now playing in select theaters but on march 26th i believe it comes out digital or on demand so that's a good really good news regarding the father and you guys can chime in on what you think of this film for rewinds bruce you got something this week the guilty I saw The Guilty. Everyone, Eric Holmes loves it. I love it. Yeah. Did you? Hi, hi.
1: I loved it. Yeah, it's really, really good. This is a really good movie. I mean, this is definitely, like everyone else has said, it's textbook, how to do limited storytelling with basically one character and some voices and to tell a tense story in a way that you wouldn't think could be a tense story. And it's almost, it's almost an audio, it's almost a radio play, (laughs) you know, the way it's done. Because there's so much um, sound texture, you're 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 kind of leaning in and listening to all the stuff that's happening on the phone and trying to decode what's going on and and also uncovering secrets about the expectation of both the call taker guy, cop, call taker guy, uh, uh, Osger, I guess is his name, played by Jacob uh, Sedergren and soon to be played by Eric Holmes in the American remake. They look alike, right? Right, a little <laughs> yeah, bit, you, a you little bit. Resemble.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, but Eric Holmes. I thought
1: Bruce. Um,
2: Bruce. <laughs> where where are you what did you think of this movie bruce answer me are you I'm okay fine. who's in there oh, with you i i i like i like the ice cream it's really good I, i'm enjoying oh, okay. this ice cream okay, okay. okay. everything's good i, I <laughs> you call my emergency line i thought you were in trouble i'm sorry go ahead go ahead
1: so um i i thought other than review it, other it's on hulu or other places you could rent it to check it out. It's what, under 90 minutes, I think we said close to that. Well, well worth your time. But since I mentioned last time that I was a 911 operator for a couple of years, I know that Eric had a few questions or I could just throw out some quick observations, whatever you prefer, throw something at me. Uh
2: I I didn't have any questions. Uh, the, the only question I had was if you can kind of, or maybe we save this for later. I don't know. But uh, well, no, it, didn't, it wouldn't be any spoilers. There there were some, uh, there were some things that uh, he did in the movie, things that he said to people and things mm-hmm. that he was doing in the movie that I was like, you would get in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll keep everything vague. I'll just go through a few things then. A couple things, quick things. He would talk to somebody and he would put them on hold and then he would call the dispatcher to call the police that, and I haven't been in every dispatch office ever, but that's not how it works. Usually you're all in the same room. So you wouldn't put someone on hold. Oh, I'm sorry. You have an emergency. I'm going to put you on hold. And then you ding, 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 ring, ring, call, call, call. Oh, hello, police. Um, there's a person that's on hold right now. That's going to need help. That's not how it works. So you get the call, you stay on the call, you type things into a computer that computer, that information will appear on a screen of somebody who can call the police directly while you're still in the moment talking to this person and typing the information in. So I might be talking to the person and typing in location and I'm typing in what's going on and they're immediately starting to send somebody out. So that's just one thing. Also, he only had two screens. I had about six to eight screens. A wow. lot more screens. <laughs> were you, how were you
0: able to do that? I, I can't even imagine. That yeah, is...
1: it's a, you have a lot of screens. Uh, the imagine... mapping part, the mapping part was pretty truthful. The whole idea, they, it was really good that they showed like you have a cell phone. Well, they don't know exactly where you're at. Yeah, you have like a general idea of where they're at. So. That was pretty important. But what you're getting at is he was telling them to do things like, and I won't say what he's telling them to do. I'll give you a a generic example. Someone would call me and say, I think somebody is trying to break into my house. We like cut the information of what do you hear? What do you see? Do you know this person? Can you see them? Blah, blah, blah. Where are you at? And then the person might maybe sometime during the conversation, they might say like, and I have a gun. So, and that would happen sometimes. We would not tell them and they would say, should I use it? And you'd have to say something very vague, like, do what you think you have to do to keep yourself safe. Because if you said use the gun, and then they shoot their kid, who's coming home late from a party, that's not so good. And if you say don't use the gun, and a person comes in and kills them while you're on the phone with them, also not so good. So you don't give really direct information like that over the phone to somebody who's calling you, you you get information and try to get the police there with as much information as possible. So that's
2: uh that that's actually a very important distinction in this movie. Uh, yeah. But
1: I gave it a pass to some degree because this guy is a loose cannon, right? Yeah, He's a loose cannon cop in this situation. So he's not that he's shown continually doing things to kind of against the rules. So I had a pass with that. The other thing that was really funny in this movie, and we'll go into too much detail because this is just a rewind, but, um, the idea that he could just go into this private room for about the last third of the movie and just off the clock do all this stuff would <laughs> definitely never happen. They don't have like a little private room you can go take calls in that no one knows you're there. Plus, every single thing you're doing is being recorded, obviously. And we, you, we all know that because you hear recordings. And at any point at any time, the manager of your call area can drop into any call. They can just drop in and listen to any call at any moment. So if if you know uh, <laughs> you know crazy cop who's going off the rails goes into a private room, they're going to go tap into that line and go, "What's going on in this guy's you know room right there?" So, so I, but I mean, I, that's just
2: fun, you know. Oh, and, and another question I had about that was that so there's a part where he's got an idea of where they are. Or mm-hmm. he's got he, he's got seemingly more information, kind of on a hunch, but kind of as you're watching the movie, you're kind of sort of feeling that yeah he it, they're probably doing this, and then he calls the dispatch, and then they're like yeah we're not going to listen to any of this. I'm I'm guessing that's not something yeah, they would do. That would
1: that would be really weird. I mean it, it, the thing is here they really definitely made it like a separation. And once again, I don't know every dis- dispatch area. Maybe they do things differently. And where was this like? sweden or austria or someplace but it was a constant interaction so you, you could imagine it like this like you have all these screens and you have a screen where you're entering the information as it comes to you like i might say assault with a weapon man with knife and i give an address they're heading that way right now and then i would just keep typing information on the fly into there right description, where they're located, is somebody hurt, blah, 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 right? Anytime, oh, now they just, you know, person saying that he uh, is now banging on the door, you know, something like that, right? And then the dispatcher, while they're sending the police out there, the dispatcher might also be asking me back something. So they might ask me back, like, where is she right now? They can't find her, you know, and it's like, so once again, you're just constantly typing stuff. So the fact that you would just kind of have this hunch, and they'd be saying, no, we don't believe you. That's, that's not really how it would go. It would be like a uh, conversation, and you might say, I don't know, and they'd have to try to figure it out, but once the cops are there, they're going to have eyes on the scene too, so it's a different thing.
2: One other thing, uh, you mentioned you had like, like six or eight screens in front of you, which yeah. made me think of you, uh, I, I imagine you sitting there with the camera behind you with all your screens in front of you, like Shredder, like, dead <laughs> turtles, I shall destroy all of you turtles! Yeah,
1: It was like, it's weird, man. I tell you, that's one thing that had this movie that was actually right too. There's one point where you notice they kind of shoot across the room and there's like a TV just showing something on the TV, like just some random TV show. That is true. Like there would be screens in there just in the walls showing like the news or whatever, because when you didn't have a call, you know, you didn't want to look at your screens the whole time, although you had lots of calls. You hardly have any time to do anything, but (laughs) so,
0: Yeah. Right, so that is the guilty. Okay, I'm glad every all of us love it. And again, it is mainly you can rent it, you can buy it on DVD, Blu-ray. I'm assuming, yeah, yeah, you can. It is most importantly streaming on Hulu. So that is the guilty. That's Bruce Perky's Rewind. My Rewind is gonna. It's really not a Rewind, but I'm just gonna shoehorn it in here before we get to our recommendations. And that is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Is that is not a Rewind? This is a movie. This is a episode one. It comes out on Friday. I got an early screening link of The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. Thank you to Disney Plus for this. You know, before this, I was saying to our Cinematics Facebook group, I was a huge Zack Snyder fan. Huge, huge. Was so excited for Justice League, the Snyder Cut. And, you know, a couple months ago, I think I did this ridiculous takedown on Wonder Woman 1984. I'm not saying there is a connection, but do you guys remember (laughs) when I would not stop beating up on Wonder Woman Eighty-four. Did, did I go a little bit yeah. overboard, guys? And you were the only person.
2: You were yeah, the only I mean, one that
0: noticed all this. Flood. Pretty That's much the whole thing. world hated it. So <laughs> yeah, everyone else hated it. But yeah, for some reason, I did not receive the Justice League Snyder cut. Though I did, I did request it to the proper channels. Didn't receive it. I'm not gonna be. I'm I'm not gonna be a a ninny about it. I'm not gonna complain about it. But let's just say I got an early screening link of the Falcon, and and. Uh, You know, and the Winter Soldier. I got an early screening link. So from now on, again, like I said, on our Cinematics Facebook group, as opposed to DC and Marvel, make mine Marvel.
3: Well, I don't trust Red Wing. Hold on a minute. You don't have to trust Red Wing, but I'm going to go see if he's right, because I have a feeling they might be a part of the big three. What big three? The big three. What big three? Androids, aliens, and wizards that's not a thing that, that's definitely a thing. no it's not so every time we fight we fight one of the three so who are you fighting now gandalf how do you know about gandalf i read the hobbit in 1937 when it first came out so you see my point no i don't there are no wizards <laughs> dr strange is a sorcerer <laughs> a sorcerer is a wizard without a hat think about it right i'm right I, I just i just came up with that it's crazy but look that's not the point these guys aren't magical all right, they use brute force, just like you. The incredibly annoying guy in front of me with the staring problem. I'm coming with you. No, you're not.
0: I don't know. Are you guys going to see the Justice League? The Whedon Snyder cut? I'm kidding. Are you going to see the Snyder cut, guys? Any of you guys uh, in the next couple of days? Uh, I, I'll give it. I'll give it an hour. Give
2: <laughs> you'll give it an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure the I'm sure the kids don't want to watch it, so I'll get. I'm, Uh, look if it's if it's fantastic i'll finish the whole four hours you know if it earns that but uh,
1: i will watch red letter uh, media talk about it and that is it (laughs) that that sounds like that sounds
2: like a good idea yeah actually i'm so i'm surprised you they gave you the uh link to the falcon winter soldier probably because
0: uh i haven't really talked about wandavision but go on (laughs) Yeah, maybe I, I maybe it's just because the, the the folks over at Disney Plus are just really, really wonderful people, just like those those corporate execs over at YouTube and Shutter, all those three brands that we all love here over at Find Your Film. Hopefully, one day we'll bet we'll get back in the good graces of HBO Max. Okay, so the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What do I think of this? That I saw the first episode. Eric, you're definitely not looking forward to this, are you?
2: Not really. Uh those are two characters that I could care less about. Could not care less about. Could not care. Um, okay, okay. Oh no, I could care less about Falcon. He's a, he, like I I like Anthony Mackie. The weird thing is I saw the 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 trailer mm-hmm. and Anthony Mackie's looking at the shield like I will be the next Captain America. I'm like, "Motherfucker, you can fly. What what the fuck do you care about a shield for?" Very cool. <laughs> but Very uh, cool. I, I I'm sure it's more than that, but I don't know the overall the MCU stuff. Just it, it gets more and more annoying to me the further on it goes.
0: Bruce Brooky, you, you agree with Eric Holmes regarding the Marvel Universe? Does it uh, annoy you the further um, along it goes? I ended up really liking Wandavision quite a bit. I'm I'm kind
1: of I can drop in and drop out of the Marvel Universe. It doesn't. I'm not ever excited to see a new Marvel thing unless it's maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. But I'll I'll check it out. and If it's good, I'll just watch it. Fair Make enough. Me up
0: when they come out with the new X Men. I'll be excited for X Men. Okay, well, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I, I've i been a comic book fan for most of my life, mainly when I was a child. So I remember Bucky Barnes. I don't remember. I didn't grow up to remember the Winter Soldier for most of my life. I assumed that Bucky Barnes died in that plane crash back in World War II. And the Falcon, I always re- remember him in that really weird, silly red outfit, red and white outfit. But whatever, it seemed like a very Always be in these Marvel two and ones with Captain America back in the day, so he was a part of my growing up in the seventies and eighties as well. So seeing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for modern day, a modern day audience, and a, as well as what they've done previously on the MCU, I I really enjoyed those two characters. Now, what would happen if someone? I'm more interested if someone like an Eric Holmes who maybe could have uh, you know you you did like you do like Anthony Mackie, but you're hot and cold on the actual characters of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I will say this, this is my spoiler-free take on the on the uh, first episode, okay? It really sets up the series very well regarding who the antagonist will be. I'll also say the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the way they, they team up on the first episode, don't want to give too much away, but there's a lot of backstory behind both of their stories. One, in my opinion, is not even stronger than the other. They both have interesting arcs that they can actually explore within the series. So there's an antagonist, two separate arcs with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I found that I find really interesting and the opening moments where you see the Falcon in a very action-packed sequence is really well done. So you get that Marvel special effects driven action stuff out of the way right from the beginning, but the rest of that episode is all story and it's all building up on who these individuals are? The thing that one probably gets lost, maybe with these MCU movies, is maybe that this these series. I haven't seen WandaVision, but maybe these series will cover is more character building from these from these respective superheroes. And I think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to do a really really good job at just building up because the Winter Soldier, for most of the MCU, right? He's a, this really tortured guy. He's killed a lot of innocent people. He's very haunted. Okay, so this one really. I'm really excited to see where they go with the winter soldier and the Falcon will will finally get his due as far as his backstory. So high marks, not just because they gave me the screening link to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, <laughs> not because of that. I was surprised at how much I really enjoyed The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I have high hopes for this. I haven't seen WandaVision, so I don't know where I'm going to land. I know, Bruce, you enjoyed it. Eric, you were mixed on it. But right now, I am hoping The Falcon and the Winter Soldier continues its really high level of, of just storytelling. So that is it for my unofficial rewind for this week. We're going for our recommendations for this week. Bruce, what is your rec? For this week
1: uh, my recommendation is eyes without a face from 1960 directed by george franjou i don't know eric did you end up watching this movie too I did Yes. Oh, cool. I'll be very curious to hear your thought. I'll give you the basic setup. Uh, it starts with a woman, middle aged woman, driving a car. There's somebody in the back seat, uh, seems to be all dressed up with a hat and everything kind of pulled over their face. They're kind of looking like they're sleeping in the back seat. Start, car comes to a stop. The uh, woman takes the person out of the back seat, who apparently is unconscious, drags them towards a the river and throws them in the river. Uh, turns out to be a dead woman who is missing her face basic concept of this movie it's not really a big secret there is a doctor dr genessier played by pierre brassier and his daughter has been disfigured and he is trying to get her a new face and that is essentially the basic concept of this movie many people have probably seen the image of his daughter with this kind of white mask on her face and it makes her almost look like a doll It's it's even now, I feel like it's it's pretty creepy looking. And there is a sequence in the center of this movie, uh, a surgery sequence that is pretty amazing even by today's standards. And um, I thought the finale of this movie, I, I I love the final shots of this movie. It's very French, but it's very beautiful and it's pretty damn awesome. I, I, I would say... If you like horror, especially uh, Diabolique, all that kind of black and white transitional horror that you get of psychological horror from the early 60s, especially. This is one you definitely should watch and it's definitely one you'll probably like it's a very streamlined movie too which i appreciate as well i love um,
0: diabolique i love diabolique it stars Chaz palmentary sharon stone isabella jani what a great great masterpiece yeah yeah that is one of them <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm kidding that original have you ever seen the original diabolique eric holmes Les diabolique have you ever seen that no? i don't think so oh you will so. love it do you, oh, I can't, I, I was going to ask you if you like a certain part of a house, which I alluded to before we started recording regarding Bruce Perky's, I'm not going to say, we were talking about Bruce Perky's house and there's a, a certain location in a house or I, I don't know, it's not a house, it's a school or a boarding situation in Diabolique, which will haunt you for quite a while. So Diablo, right, Bruce? I, I really, mm-hmm. there, there is some really interesting, if you see that original Diabolique air comes, wade into those well, I can't say that. Just get into I'll, it. Just get into I'll, it. It's so I'll amazing. check it out,
2: but what you're saying is starting to ring bells, so maybe we have seen it. I don't think I have, but I'll,
0: I, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, and there's an interesting backstory behind that. Okay, Eric Holmes. before you get into your own reactions regarding Eyes Without a Face, our friends from the cinematics community, Peter Beta. From the Middle Class Film Class. It's a podcast that both of you guys listen to. I listen to it as well. He said, I just watched Eyes Without a Face last month. I enjoyed it, but it was not as scary as expected. It was hyped too much for me. I think great for the time for sure though. So he thinks it's overhyped. Our buddy Andrew Martin over at Andrew Watches Movies. Great podcaster. He said, Eyes Without a Face. This is huge. from Coming from Andrew Martin is a top five scary film for me. Do you see where Andrew Martin is kind of going or do you agree with pete regarding it might be a little bit overhyped
2: uh neither um i, I wasn't <laughs> scared by it <laughs> so you weren't um, scared but no but I, I did like this and to uh bruce's point the uh surgery scene or surgery scenes well i, I guess there was the one and then the second never mind i'll stop yeah. but yeah the surgery scene was pretty good the uh, makeup effects were fantastic there was a dog scene which is probably the scene you're talking about mm-hmm. now i could see where they hid the padding I know how this works, and I'm sure anyone listening knows how dog attacks work. You have to have pads, otherwise the dogs will eat you, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or they will eat the actor. So you could tell where the padding was. I did not see the padding on the face, and I saw the dogs going for the face a couple times. <laughs> I don't know, Bruce, maybe you have some behind-the-scenes stuff on uh, on that? or uh... I haven't done a lot of research, so I don't, actually. But at, as a movie itself, this is good. I mean, this is pretty much a jello. I I think see that too. It's got that kind of flavor to it. Uh, Like a banana. It's yellow. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, did you flip for it or did you just like it or. I I liked it. It, it, This wasn't like a life changing thing, but this was still like a really good, especially for the time it was made and certain effects they do. And the characters um, like, okay. The, uh, the daughter character, she was kind of, she was a little passive, too passive for my liking. But I guess for the time, no, I shouldn't say Didn't that because we've I, seen we we've seen movies with like stronger female characters than her. And I mean, she she became unpassive towards the end, you know, where she started making decisions. But
1: uh, yeah, I thought it was kind of weird considering how much she allowed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she knew what was going on in a lot of that. I do want to mention really quick that she well. We'll talk in a little later when we, we promo something. There's a reason that I brought this movie up, but I want to bring up a line to me that I love this line. I never noticed it the first time, but I saw it this time when when the, the dad says to the daughter at one point, he says, smile, smile. He goes, uh, not too much. <laughs> 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 and the reason he said that is just, so awesome. It's just like, that's so great. I didn't even
2: realize that until you just said it, but I, I'm yeah. guessing that has to do with uh, <laughs> yeah. what's yep. going on here. <laughs> yeah.
0: I just also asked yeah. our group regarding business because I was trying to be a punny guy, which I never am, which I'm, I'm an idiot. I also asked them to name their favorite because of eyes without a face. We were covering it. What are some of your favorite Billy Idol? What's your favorite Billy Idol song? Our buddy, Matt Stillman says dancing with myself. And then Joseph Bridges says, ready, steady, go. From Generation X before he went solo. Yes? You guys have any favorite Billy's? Uh, you know, uh, I know uh, what is that? The Cradle of Love. That's a remake, but I that's my that's a Billy Idol song that I go to.
2: Here's a fun fact about Cradle of Love, right? The Cradle of Love is from the songs from Fort Fairlane, directed by Rennie Harlan. The video is directed by David Fincher. Oh, and wow. David Fincher, who directed Alien Three. Who was originally supposed to be directed by Rennie Harlan, who left to do (laughs) Ford Fairlane? (laughs) Oh, that's funny.
0: So, Alien
2: 3, Ford Fairlane, David Fincher, and Rennie Harlan have like this marriage going together. (laughs)
0: That is so interesting. Very good piece of Hollywood history there. I could could be wrong about Rennie Harlan left to do Fort Fairlane,
2: but he was definitely supposed, he was definitely the original director for Alien 3. And
1: I don't have as good of facts, but Dancing with Myself, which he also did as Generation X 2, but the video for Billy Idol's version was directed by Toby Hooper, who did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but also did Life Force, which is the best Naked female vampire zombie movie ever made. There you go. <laughs>
0: very, very cool. So Space that has, vampire. So then it's Eyes Without a Face. I apologize, guys, for not seeing it. And Bruce, how dare you? You said you, I, you don't think I'd, I'd love it because it's not kind of my genre, right? You said I might be a little bit mixed. Um,
1: I don't know. I mean, it's, it's always hard to, to judge. I mean, horror is such a weird thing. It's like comedy. Like, I, I don't know where your taste is exactly. Although, if you like Diabolique, if you like Repulsion, if you like those that kind of style, you could really dig this movie
0: i could see it okay very cool so that is eyes without a face it's streaming i'm 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 assuming on canopy it's definitely streaming on the criterion channel as well so i definitely and hbo max your favorite oh hbo oh yes hbo max i again i my apologies for eric i I will say eyes
2: without a face is not on youtube because i got about 20 minutes into fiend without a face (laughs)
0: before i realized <laughs> okay.
2: where's the where's girl with the face mask and they paused it and it was like fiend with oh wrong one so but maybe we'll talk about fiend without a face later on who knows who knows who knows okay so wait 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 I've
0: wait so that fiend
2: without a face you,
0: wait youtube so you said it's not on youtube so where'd you see it did you have to rent it you rented it it's i
2: rented it on i I think it, where did i see it uh I can it was York. amazon Xbox. i think okay. i i think i rented rent it in, okay oh <laughs> they, okay so when Eyes Without a Face came out because uh, Bruce said that Bruce he said you were watching Eyes Without a Face and I, I looked it up because uh, he asked if I'd seen it I wasn't sure like I thought I did but maybe not and I was looking it up and I saw that Eyes Without a Face when it released in theaters releases a double feature with a movie called Manster <laughs> he's wow. a monster and part Man <laughs> And wow, I didn't watch that for this week, but it'd be pretty cool if I did. Sorry, speaking of what you watched, Combs, what's your recommendation for this week? Boss level Joe Carnahan's boss level, just get right into it. Okay, so uh, streaming it's, on Hulu, yep, streaming on Hulu. And this movie's pretty fun, very bloody. It's uh, Groundhog's Day, and uh, take Groundhog's Day and Smoking Aces and just kind of squish them together, and then the juice that you squeeze out of it is boss level kind of sip that it tastes pretty good I like the boss level it's a guy that uh, wakes up every day and he does the uh, you know like most Groundhog day, Groundhog day type scenarios he wakes up but as soon as he wakes up he constantly has a bunch of assassins trying to kill him and so he's we talked about the map of tiny perfect things or the where the guy wakes up and yeah. he's he knows everything backwards and forwards this guy doesn't have that he knows like the first five minutes that he wakes up he's got down cold uh everything after that is he's done maybe once or twice because he's always trying to do different things because he's always got people trying to kill him and then uh, there's a the, uh, and so that's where the smoking aces vibe comes in. Um, this is a uh, this is a uh, six point nine out of ten on IMDb, which is perfect. 20. And uh, th- yeah, th- th- this movie's just fun. It's got a uh, what's the guy's name? It's got uh, Mel Gibson, Frank Grillo, Naomi Watts, dude. Will Sasso. Will Sasso plays a heavy in this. He's like uh he's Mel Gibson's kind of bodyguard kind of guy. Will Sasso is great in this. And cool. you, usually he's, you know, pretty funny. He's, he's got a couple moments in here where his comedic chops kind of shine through, kind of undercover. But dude, Will Sasso should be a bodyguard in like a, like the uh, scary bodyguard. Like I can see Will Sasso in a horror movie. Um, but yeah, the, this movie is entirely fun and it doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> oh, what is the name of the, I cannot remember, Dai Fang? Dai Fang. I, I think I'm saying that right. Mm. But there's a part. So there's a lot of voiceover in this, and it's like uh, we'll we'll say dieing. I th- I think I got the name wrong, even though they said it like a hundred times in the movie. Uh, but <laughs> he tries to uh, figure out the name of pe- names of people that kill him. Of course, he doesn't know their names a lot of the time because they don't announce themselves. <laughs> but he's like, but there's this one. It's like, I call this person, you know, shorty because he's short. And I call this person, you know, glasses because he's wearing, glass, you know, whatever. Right. Uh, that I per- call this person Dai Fang. I actually know their name. And then they cut to uh, Dai Fang killing him. She cuts his head off. It's like, I am Dai Fang. And Dai Fang has done <laughs> this. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, this movie's funny. It's bloody. It's fun, and I I would watch it. Um, I'd probably watch it like ten times. You know, bring like the kids. It, it it's bloody, bring but it's kids. like a fun. I, it, it's bloody, but it's a fun bloody. You know. Um, yeah. And the you know, it, and it does the uh, you know, it, it's got a good kind of mystery to it, where you're trying to figure out like once they once the fun of the uh, Groundhog Day thing kind of wears off, now they kind of have this mystery of what he's doing and what he's trying to accomplish and then so it doesn't like it's got the groundhog day but it doesn't lean on that the entire time it just kind of leans on it early on and then it kind of does other things later on and yeah very clever very fun
0: and check it out cool so that is boss level definitely want to check that out it's on Hulu looks really fun I you know one of the things we're going to do for find your film is we're, we're going to start I don't know if it's going to work. We're going to try to start incorporating interviews into our program. Okay. So you guys, I'm speaking of Scott Atkins. What was the movie both of you guys did several months ago? Remember Max Cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And we should have actually incorporated it into our weekly episode. This is going to be a little bit wonky this episode, and hopefully I'll be able to streamline it down the road, but coming out on March 19th, it's a movie called happily. It's in theaters on digital and on demand. It stars Joel McHale. And Carrie Bechet, Carrie Bouche starting this wonderful series called Halt and Catch Fire. Always thought she was an underrated actress and glad she's front and center with Joel McHale in happily. Very simple plot. Very happily married couple. I believe they've been married together for they've been married for 14 years. They still lust after each other. They're they act like a couple of teenagers, much to the frustration of their fellow adult friends who think what they what they're doing by kissing in public and doing all that PDA stuff is just too sickening because they haven't they haven't gotten gotten the malaise of just relationships. They just seem like the perfect couple. What happens is there's a mysterious man who enters their life, and that man is played by Steven Root. We all love Steven Root. And once he comes into contact with them, let's just say things go south and there's possibly a body being buried or maybe that person might be killed. And when that happens, will this happily married couple be happy ever again? So that's the premise of this movie. And you're wondering who is this mysterious person? It is, I guess the poster says it's a killer romantic comedy it's written and directed by Ben David Grabinski, and I I really enjoy this movie, especially because I want to see Carrie Bechet in anything, and she's she's that sounded horrible. I I love her as an actress; she's wonderful. Like Joel McHale as well, and the ensemble includes Paul Sheer. He's a Clipper fan, so I love him. Brecken Meyer, Natalie Natalie Zay, et cetera, et cetera. Natalie Morales as well, and of course the aforementioned Stephen Root. Now this is clunky. Definitely recommend this movie. Really interesting. The fact that it's mainly focused on the, the couple and how they react to this situation and this mysterious person. I thought the movie itself was a recommend for me. I also love the visual compositions in this movie, what they were, what Ben David Grabinski was trying to do with Happily. Eric Holmes, you actually listened to a couple of this, a little snippet of this video. One of the songs in the movie is features features a track from the move, the Walter Hill film Streets of Fire. So I asked him a question about Walter Hill and Eric Holmes. You love, uh, so I'm sure you're going to be behind whether or not you love Happily. I'm sure you're going to love Ben D- David Grabinski's response to Streets of Fire, correct? No, oh, I did. And I will love Happily. <laughs>
2: Anyone <laughs> that loves Streets of Fire as much as I do, you
1: know, yeah. It's
2: going to be a good
0: movie. <laughs> Bruce Beresford, wait, I, I forget. Are you a, are you a big fan of Streets of Fire as well, or it's been years since um, you've seen
1: it? It's been so long. I mean, I remember liking it back in back in those days, but I don't think I've seen it for God thirty years. <laughs> I mean, it's been yeah. forever. I remember yeah. Diane Lane; she made an impression on me. That's for sure. So.
0: Yeah and what the lead actor who's the lead actor Eric Holmes Michael what Pere or something is Michael, Michael I, I always
2: was him Michael Pere uh, I, I don't okay. know how to pronounce it you e with the little
0: tilde on and, top and, and do you still love the music from Streets of Fire Eric Holmes mm-hmm. Yeah so this is a DIY indie thriller romantic relationship drama which again comes out on March 19th and this is clunky but here is my eighth to 10-minute interview with Ben David Grabinski talking about Streets of Fire, Jallo Cinema, Carrie Bechet, and Halt and Catch Fire. Enjoy. We're going to be back in a few moments with Bruce Perky's What's in the Box. Ben David, I am a huge fan of Dario Argento, Mario Bava, Brian De Palma, and you used a lot of these aesthetic touches to your film, and you could have made it a slasher or a Ten Little Indians type of horror thriller i mean can you just talk about putting that element but in the big picture of things you really wanted to make this movie about that explores pretty much relationships and the darkness and the wonder of it all i guess
3: uh i love that question (laughs) for me um i wanted to use a lot of those stylistic and uh dramatic elements to pull you into the story you know you should really feel like at any moment, maybe everyone is going to get killed or something really fucked up is going to happen. And that kind of, I wanted to combine that sort of engagement with an existential kind of character, emotion, adult movie with a lot of jokes. I mean, that right there might've been the most pretentious cell imaginable, but you know, I, I just wanted to make a dark romantic comedy with thriller elements that didn't feel traditional and i also have a real passion for genre cinema and you know like Jala movies and paranoid thrillers and i wanted to use that those kind of filmic devices while also making something that just feels maybe almost like an albert brooks relationship thing and having said that out loud it sounds nuts but you know what it's a nuts movie and i'm and i'm okay with that it's what i wanted to make so
0: yeah, I'm a huge fan of Halt and Catch Fire. And over the years, I just said to myself, you know, Carrie, she, she just needs to be in more movies where she's the headliner. And that's something that you did. And with respect to your talented ensemble, can you just focus on why you decided to cast her? Because I'm sure you kind of felt the same way because she knows she, she has the power and the magnetism and the, and also, the most importantly, the humanity to actually anchor a
3: narrative. I mean, my top three favorite shows of all time are Twin Geeks, Freaks and Geeks, and Halt and Catch Fire and halt and catch fire if i even like think about some elements i might cry and that sounds like bullshit but if you've seen it it is one of the most like rewarding shows i've ever seen in terms of like you know you spend years caring about these characters and they just knew exactly what the heart of the show was and the heart of the show to me was uh, Carrie's character and the Mackenzie Davis's character and their relationship and i loved it so much and when i was casting this movie i I talked to a lot of actresses about playing janet and they didn't feel right in in a lot of ways and then someone called me and was like hey uh you know carrie is available and i freaked out because i'm a huge fan um and they gave her the script and for some reason she really liked it and we had this great phone call and you know the way casting works is you're for the leads, I'm beholden to the company that made it. So Commonwealth Media uh, made this movie. It was their second one after this movie, Teenage Badass, um, that's now on VOD. And I went to the financier and I'm like, okay, so this actress, Carrie Vachey, um, who wants to play Janet, and I'm going to like sell him on it. And he's like, well, he's like from Hull and Catch Fire. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's the greatest show ever. And I was like, it is. Yeah. I was like, so can I cast her? And he's like, yeah. And it was like the shortest conversation of my professional life. And it was so, it was just really lucky because Carrie can do anything. And it's a character that does a lot. You know, she's assertive and funny and also sad and also dramatic and also oblivious. There's like a lot of things you have to do. And you need to be someone as good as Carrie to do it. And it was also fun too, just because she hasn't like done comedy. So I thought if she was funny, I would look good. So anyway, I love (laughs) Halt and Catch Fire. I'm here to promote Halt and Catch Fire. Guys, you should watch it. It's streaming somewhere. Season one, I love it. Season two, really love. And it just keeps getting better and better. So Hall and Catch Fire, watch it all before March 19th. Or watch my movie, then watch Halt and Catch Fire. I don't care. (laughs) Just as long as you do both.
0: Yeah, you know, I I really also just, was it, with all the tones and what you were really going for in this movie, was it a a challenge in writing the script? Because, you know, there's a, not to give too much away, there's a sneaky element, which I thought, I mean, I thought one of the scariest things about the movie is the fact that we as people look at a happily married couple who are still in lust with each other with a bit of a disdain and horror and disgust. And, you know, it's, it's one of these things where, where your story really puts a mirror on our own kind of misperceptions about that whole thing. And it's, and I thought that was really cool.
3: Well, you know, but we do that. It's one of the worst traits we have as people, you know, if we, it goes back to being a kid. It's like you get a Nintendo for Christmas and it's all you ever wanted, but your friend gets a Nintendo and his parents got him like five games and you're like, Oh, well my Christmas didn't go that well. Or, you know, you get out of college and you're trying to get a job and then someone, you know, got a job and it's like well paying and you still have student loan debt and you're like, fuck. And it's just, we can always find somebody who is doing better than us and get upset about it and i didn't feel like i'd I'd seen a movie that captured that in terms of relationships because it's usually something that's presented just mostly about jobs or you're like financial well-being and this movie is like trying to show what that's like on an interpersonal level and but it's also just me channeling kind of anxiety and frustrations, just of being an adult and just trying to find things that I think are relatable in that way because adult friend groups can be really tough man you know <laughs> there's just a lot of stuff here that I think is like again when I said I'm trying to make a paranoid thriller I, the kind of joke of it to me is that the, the paranoia is like emotional it's like worrying about if your friends actually like you or if you know, or worrying about the state of your marriage and trying to capture that cinematically, I guess. I sound like a fucking asshole. I mean, sorry, I don't know if I can say those words, but anyway.
0: You know, I, I, I'm i going to ask this question and get this question all the time, but I don't know what the budget of your film was, but it does not look cheap, but I'm sure you, you had a limited budget to work with. It is when, very.
3: It was very cheap.
0: <laughs> it, is there, I'm Sorry to say that. Is there a secret sauce behind making the production values really high without working with a pot of gold at the other end?
3: Well, I mean, look, if there was like a way to explain it in a few sentences, anyone could do it. I'm not saying I'm special, but some of the key things I would just say is like, you can't settle for locations. Um, Locations are so key, you know, even if you have good lighting and a good DP, If you are in locations that aren't cinematic and don't feel interesting, your movie can feel so much smaller. And for me, I also focused more on having really judicious, hopefully beautiful shots as opposed to making sure I got a close-up of every character in every scene or was worried about the edit. It just was really about... It's also comes from being a writer, director, and understanding sort of the sequencing of the movie is knowing what you need and knowing what's the most important thing about scenes. Like, if this was a scene right now, maybe no one even needs to see me on camera. Maybe it's really about your reaction to me talking. Maybe that's where the emotional core is, which means I don't have to shoot me. You know, it's really about trying to make judicious choices that also come from an artful perspective. Someone's going to hear me say that or watch me say that and then watch the movie and be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but Personally, I, uh, it was, just, it was, I, I'm extremely happy with how no one seems to think that I didn't have money to make it. That is really all I can say. That is the nicest thing anyone can say is it looks like I had money to make the movie because all the actors worked for nothing and everyone just really wanted to make something creative and interesting. And yeah, it was just a good experience and I'm happy if anyone likes it. So
0: I usually ask other filmmakers, actors to name one of their favorite movies and why does it resonate with them? My co-host for one of my podcasts, he's a huge Streets of Fire fan. So my question to you, it's a direct question. How much of a Walter Hill fan are you? And specifically, is Streets of Fire a movie that you really loved as a youth? And maybe that's I mean, a, r- a wrong question because you employed that track in your film. So,
3: Well, no, man. Dude, any questions about Streets of Fire? Are you kidding? Um, I love Streets of Fire. I love Walter Hill. I met him uh, a year or two ago, and it was one of the greatest moments of my life. I just he's just a brilliant, brilliant filmmaker, and uh, Streets of Fire. I love. I actually saw Streets of Fire for the first time in my mid twenties. Um, it was like right when Netflix streaming had started. It was one of the first things that was on there, and uh, I turned it on one night, and it just. I think I watched it like three times in a weekend, and I love the music so much. And when we were in the edit, my editor was working and I was just listening to music. And I turned on the song while he was editing without music and it synced up exactly right. And we're like, wait a minute. And I was so happy with it. And I had to spend like, I don't know, 13 months clearing music for this movie because there's a lot of needle drops in this movie that I would not let go. But that is honestly the thing that I'm the most proud of is that I somehow got someone to let me put a streets of fire song in a movie i don't I, I keep that is actually the thing that's the most shocking to me i keep thinking like wait is someone going to take that away am i going to like wake up to a phone call they're like sir we made a mistake you can't have that song in your movie <laughs> it's uh i when, when we cleared that i think i was happy for maybe hours
0: thank you so much for your time really enjoyed your film and selfishly as a cinephile myself i hope one day down the road in your in your filmography you'll you'll make a jello film so uh
3: what's so funny man i literally just texted my dp about the next one and saying we're lighting this whole thing like a jello so uh anyway thank you you're so nice man thanks for everything yeah pleasure take care man take care
0: and we're back the clunkiness is back i've put i've put that that interview into our podcast hopefully you guys found some value-added stuff Bruce Perky, what do you have for what's in the box this week?
1: I have, uh, dr- or suggested by Matt Stillman, the uh, daily reviewer on cinematics, uh, oh, or is, right. at least once a day. Can, Somewhere. We, can we
0: say Matt Stillman is more of a reviewer than en- any three of us on that cinematics? Uh, probably
1: group, true. Probably. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> I mean, he's, I don't know what is he up to, like 150 movies this year. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. I do, uh, He suggested I watch Somewhere by Sofia Coppola from 2010. Uh, it's available for rental. That's how I saw it. It's on HBO, a bunch of different places. Mostly rental, though. So first of all, Sofia Coppola. Uh, she's usually kind of a love it, hate it kind of director for a lot of people. I liked Virgin Suicides when it first came out. I don't think I've seen it since, but I remember liking it a lot. Lost in Translation, I was kind of wishy-washy on. Marie Antoinette, I didn't finish. And then I don't think I've seen anything else that she's made since then. So I don't even, never even heard of this movie. So, basic concept of this movie is Stephen Dorff is Johnny Marco. He is apparently a full time fixture living at the Chateau Marmont. And he's based on the interactions you see in this movie, he is a very famous, like almost like a Tom Cruise kind of a guy or something. Like, everywhere he goes, every woman stops and looks at him and people are like, Oh, you know, get his autograph and that kind of stuff. And it's basically showing him. I don't always say Greg, he's probably suffering from depression or he seems like he's kind of um,
0: he's listless.
1: Yeah. He's kind of unhappy with his celebrity or kind of in a transitional mode or something. And eventually his uh, daughter, he seems to be separated from his, the mother of the daughter, his daughter played by Elle Fanning kind of gets left with him for an extended period of time. So probably the second half or two thirds of the movie, she's kind of with him a lot of that. Now, how do I describe this movie? Um, Come on, you had to
2: love this movie. (laughs) Slowly and with your pants off. Okay, Uh,
1: perfect. There is, perfect example, here's a scene with two strippers in his bedroom dancing listlessly to the Foo Fighters song, My Hero, and it's the entire song, all the whole song. There's another sequence, which is... Should have been
0: stairway to Heaven.
1: Elle Fanning um, doing her routine on ice, an ice skating rink. You get to see the whole routine. A sublime moment? This, and I had no idea for a lot of this. Uh, okay, this movie was not for me. I did not like this movie at all. At all. This is a two-star movie for me. What? Two-star.
3: Wow. Um, okay. This
1: movie to me was like Sofia Coppola setting a camera down in front of a scene and letting the scene just happen, which sometimes I like those movies, but I felt she picked all the most uninteresting and untelling points of these people's life to show. She'll show Elle Fanning cooking something, and then that's it. She'll show them ice skating. Okay, great. They'll show them driving in his car and... I've seen all those scenes done in a way that contextually is more interesting. I, I, I had no idea what this character was like. I had no idea what his goals were. I had no idea why he was depressed other than he was a celebrity and rich. I mean, it, it just went nowhere. Nowhere. And I like movies like Roma, for God's sake. You could say the same thing about Roma, but Roma's beautiful and Roma does things in the scene. And this movie was listless to me. It was like, wow. if you want to watch Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Dorff waking up and, and drowsy a lot, then that movie is for you.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I found it, found this to be a very beautiful movie. I can't wait. I don't know. You know what? I have a feeling that Eric Holmes, you're not going to like somewhere either. So I, I would, I was going to try to encourage you to see somewhere, but it is one of those movies that is sort of pretty much a mood piece. <laughs> if if you feel like being very introspective and it's basically but, life along Sunset Boulevard in that hotel and just wandering around. And I think it's one the, of those, yeah. But,
1: okay, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting, you, but this is gonna be a perfect example for me. Like you have to, when you do a mood piece like this, you have to pick whose mood you're watching. And we're watching a, from all you can tell, is a totally, uh, he's got everything. So why, we have to have a reason to feel anything for this guy,
0: right? Mm-hmm. He's just a man who's lost his compass, Bruce. That's a the- rich,
1: white, loved star, <laughs> young, <laughs> with a bunch of money and a Ferrari. <laughs> I didn't give a fuck about this guy. <laughs>
0: So that is somewhere. Thank you, Matt Stillman, for your what's in the box recommendation. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry Matt. sorry, Matt. You know what? You th- good job, Matt, on actually putting Bruce Springsteen in this what ninety-minute uh, uh, hell sphere known as some- somewhere. What? I have never been more
1: tempted to hit fast forward, and I don't do that in movies. Like to hit the. 30 second, 30 seconds, 30 second. I I really wanted to. I wanted to time the scenes. I swear it was like five minutes. Then five minutes of something else. Five minutes, something else. Oh my God.
0: Well, Matt Stillman, to, to your point, to your record. You know what? Maybe Matt is gonna pull a fast one on us, and maybe he really actually hates this movie and he wanted to play this joke and actually make you watch Somewhere Bruce. That would be pretty cool. But I you know, Matt, to your point, I really enjoyed Somewhere. The ending of the movie, which not when I, I know Bruce is gonna shake his head. I found it to be really beautiful and a little bit emotional. Had that really beautiful song. Bully, I forgot the name of the group, but I think the song is called Love Like Sunset. So really love that song. And that's I know Bruce did not it did not register with you whatsoever. So that is somewhere. I'm sure it's available on Blu-ray DVD streaming somewhere. But Bruce would I was hoping it would just fade to black and I'd hear a gunshot anyway. <laughs> Love it, love it. So w- with all that being said, Eric, are you excited to one day watching to watch Sophia Coppola somewhere?
2: Uh no. I, I'm <laughs> I'm not a Sophia Coppola fan to begin with. So maybe this is the one that'll push me over the board and make that this might be the one I like. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Well as Bruce said, it's well I it's
1: have some... that way about me. When I hate something, everyone else loves it. So you know. <laughs>
0: Well, you know what, to Bruce is somewhere is absolutely nowhere. But hopefully, for this week's "What's in the Box," somewhere will be actually somewhere good to go. So, Bruce, what uh, you got? The uh, little thing to? I've got to it. Pick? Yes, I'm okay, shaking cool. the box and the speed
2: is all you ever need all you ever need to know what's in the box oh sorry okay all, <laughs> all right, right. this is suggested weirdo. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this <laughs> suggestion if <laughs> no one will ever submit again they'll be like he's such an asshole i'm never gonna submit to him <laughs> andrew dykstra suggested okay I remember when this got posted on the Facebook page and I was really interested to watch this 1990 movie called baby blood, Ooh, baby blood. And
0: <laughs> Goodness. That's just directed by Alan Alan Roback, Roback. Mm. Okay. Baby blood. That is it. Bruce Perky. You're going to, you're going to hunt baby blood down. And I get, you know what? I bet I'm betting the farm that you're going to like it a lot more than Matt Stillman's somewhere. Okay. Yes. So that is it. That we had a very meaty show. No tornadoes no tornado alarm during our pod. No. You know, everything was fine. Okay. Lucky. Uh, yeah. Last week, Eric Holmes, you let us out, Bruce? Bruce, Bruce, oh, Bruce was alive last week touched him. But <laughs> before we go, Bruce, you got anything to say before we get out of here? Uh, yes. Look forward to the director's spotlight,
1: which is gonna be uh, the director, French director, Leos Cracks. No one knows how to say his name. I don't know how to say it. And that's why I watched Eyes Without a Face because Edith Scobe, who plays the young woman without a face, uh, plays a role in Holy Motors, which is one of the two movies we're going to watch. Holy Motors and The Lovers on the Bridge.
0: We'll be recording that special director spotlight on Find Your Film this weekend. Eric Holmes, have you seen either movie as of yet? No, not yet. I'm watching it tomorrow. I'm going to watch Holy Motors tomorrow
2: and then the bridge one on friday cool
0: and so, I'll, that'll be fun knowing the way i like to schedule things i'll probably be watching them four hours before we start recording because <laughs> i'm a bleeping idiot and i'm one of those guys who likes so, those so weird sophia coppola, two-star sophia coppola movies that's not a knock on you bruce that's more of a knock on my horrible organization skills thank you guys so much for listening to us on find your film eric you want to say something before we get out of here yes Morning. Uh, I wanna thank uh probably should mention it at the top, but I w-
2: wanted to thank you guys and William Lindis, who did a little game last week. And uh that was very fun. And you guys uh, helped me play test my game. Got a couple new rules in there, which is uh kind of expanded it a bit. And yeah, I really appreciate you guys showing up and I want to thank William Lindis and uh Brad and Jim could not make it because of uh personal things going on, yes, but yes. Uh, I, I appreciate them regardless.
0: Yes, the, mo- the crew over at the Movie Bears podcast, they are friends of the show. They they do a really great podcast. William is, he's just a go-to. He's hes a great guy. And yeah, Eric Holmes' game, it's going to be a, a compliment to his upcoming film that he's working on. And it's very, you know what? Bruce Berk—he had a lot of really great imaginations. He did great with the characters. <laughs> I still couldn't I was actually the maps. Greg, Greg,
2: can you, uh, can you kind of uh, re, <laughs> re, re, uh, Shan- uh Shannon? What, what re, is that Gary? Yeah, sh- yeah, do a, do a just a bit of Shannon because that's <laughs> yeah. probably my favorite part of the whole thing. Well, there's
0: a girl. There's a girl in Eric Holmes's wonderful, uh, faith-themed but slasher-themed story that sounds like this, and she just tries to be a peacemaker and everything involved, and I didn't know what I was doing because I basically did really bad things to Eric Holmes' beautiful story, and I apologize for that. I know I sound like Miss Piggy, but by the way, this is what I'm going to sound like next week on Find Your Film. I'm going in a higher octave. Bruce Perky, if you don't like Somewhere Right Now, I'm going to be talking like this for two hours. No comment from Bruce Berkey. Okay. With that, that said, we will see you next week on find your film. Look forward to Eric Holmes's RPG game and film coming up. Thank goodness that Bruce Berkey is fine as we speak regarding the tornadoes and, and, uh, Oh, is there, they're screaming. What's that? What screaming is that? Oh, my God. I am scared. I hope you guys are scared. We'll see you next week. And hopefully you'll have... Oh, my goodness. Holmes is scaring me. Okay. That, that being said, we will see you guys this weekend for our director spotlight. Stop with the banana. Talk to you guys later.